strap into the nuclear-powered AAB Gamma along with us in a swinging 60s sci-fi bonanza as we sail past the moon in search of alien monsters this week. This is Kaiju vs. History, the X from Outer Space. Welcome back. This is your space mission controller, chain smoking cigarettes. Patrick, joining me is an alien spore clinging to the side of my spaceship, aka Miles. How are you doing, Miles? Man, I'm all right. It does groovy. Does X mark the spot for you? No. <laughs> on on it the does, it, it does not. And also, I mean. We see this in a lot of science fiction. I mean, yeah, as recent as the you know current, because I assume that that everyone believes that these space stations will be much better ventilated than they probably actually would be. <laughs> Smoking on a space station seems wild to me. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, they're just they're so far advanced in this film that they're able to. Yeah, to, I uh, mean, to make look, it work. I'm I'm. Like I'm a former smoker myself. I'm actually by the time this airs two years without a cigarette. Congrats. But it's not that I don't miss it. And at the same time, if I was in space, I get that the craving might hit. But at the same (laughs) time, um, my, my fear of everything else would supersede lighting up on a moon base. Yeah. And the oxygen rich atmosphere. I mean, there's also like a a wooden bath <laughs> japanese bath on the space station so there's all kinds of well, interesting that, that, anachronism. Honestly, full credit for I, that i thought that was a nice touch <laughs> <laughs> it's like they brought all they brought wood all the way from earth to the moon to have a nice japanese soak <laughs> it's like why not just make a metal bathtub you know it's like what they have. i mean yeah and there, there's some wild choices but smoking in these enclosed places was certainly <laughs> one of them i mean yeah, i see this even even in when i watch 80s movies where i'm seeing someone smoking a car and every window is rolled up and i, I guess they <laughs> must have been related to my dad in 1989 because i'm like what are you doing <laughs> it's cold outside miles it's the, the gold of outer I space i don't care i want to breathe <laughs> we're, we're looking at the x from outer space this week a 1967 film produced by shochiku shochiku company and it came out march of 1967 march 25th and it was actually brought to American TV via syndication through AIP and American International Television, the the subsidiary of AIP, just one year after that, in 1968. So, Patrick, this movie is called The X from Outer Space, which Mm. honestly... It's not a great title. It feels like it's the title of a Johnny Quest episode or something. <laughs> well, so, it it feels like Invasion of Astro Monster, which is like yeah, I but mean, Invasion a, of Astro Monster great, at least had an Astro Monster that was invading and was cool. Well, yeah, no, I I think we we could have gotten a better title for sure. <laughs> so uh, on that note, please tell us what's in a title because I want to hear some of these things. I want to hear. The ubiquitous, I, I want to hear the obvious Frankenstein reference that we're going to get from Germany because. How, how do you I know, Miles? Look, look, I haven't even looked at the list. I am just assuming 
that we have one. And I want to hear the other options because while extra matter space sounds cool, like as if like, and I mean, sounds cool as in like a band name or an album title. Mm -hmm. It doesn't sound like a Kaiju title. Yeah. It's just, it's not a movie that I'm like, like when I hear, Oh, we're going to see extra matter space. All right. I mean, it's a cool title that makes me think, Oh, this could be kind of fun in a drive-in way. But like when it's the title of a Kaiju movie, I, my expectations are lowered. And I mean, I mean, I said this last week uh, as a preview, but not to spoil nothing, but I didn't lower my expectations enough. Um, <laughs> I, so I had yeah. high expectations because I've I've heard so many fun things, and this movie yeah, kind of has a spiritual that's, sequel. That's and... part of it. But but yeah, let's 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 go into what's in the title first before we well, we talk about this one. I feel it could have been improved if they had uh, thrown monster in there and called it you know the X monster or I don't know monster X. But they, <laughs> they, they I mean wasn't that kind of taken? <laughs> well, they they have they use monster X in a later Godzilla movie, but monster zero, you know, was such a, a classic monster name for, for Ghidorah. But yeah, the monster X from outer space is like just full on sci-fi sixties camp. <laughs> that could have been a, a good one. The, and I mean, it, it absolutely is because mm-hmm. I mean, you know, as we mentioned the whole swing sixties sci-fi vibe, that is here music oh yeah <laughs> this is this is wild i if mean that's what you all, want from your kaiju film this is a 10 out of 10 if you had made this like a c lab type thing you could have basically made this an austin power oh, sequel man. oh man and this is this is one that uh we don't have a mst3k version of don't have a roof tracks i don't think but the little japanese title is m- much more akin to your standard Japanese kaiju title. It is Giant Space Monster Galala. And I, I would have been fine with that. that Galala set my expectations correctly. <laughs> Galala is the name of the ep- eponymous giant space monster. And before we talk about other titles, the Japanese title comes. It's a bit of a novel invention from Shochiku in that they had, I guess, in late 1966. Children submit names for their monster. So this is during the production of the film and supposedly had over 200,000 letter entries before they finally landed on the Galala title. Although I think that was part of like the, the proposed monsters, like scientific name. I'm I'm Mm. not sure if that was, that was let out to the kids, but Galala is what they landed on. And that is what we get in the, the movie. Obviously, titles from all around the world are very different and very fun. You know, West Germany had Frankenstein in there somewhere, and in t- their title was Galala, and subtitle Frankenstein's Devil Egg. Wait, 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 wait. Devil Egg, right? Not Deviled Egg. Devil Egg. The okay. Egg of the Devil. Because, right, actually, it's wow. just shortened to Gila. Gila. Frankenstein's two two fests. To Felsi. <laughs> so the, I, the I, I mean I wouldn't mind like you know Frankenstein's order. Um <laughs> delicious. I mean Frankenstein's devil egg. I mean, then there's not really an egg in there, but I mean a lot of it kind of is. I I, I would have probably preferred that, although I again why Frankenstein? Yeah. Why I, why is that there? I just double checked the, the German translation in Google is indeed devil egg. <laughs> I mean, I would not imagine it was just a tasty snack. So I mean I was just more or less having fun <laughs> but uh, believe it or not that's not the funniest translation title uh 
Galanha Lagarto del Marte, the Portuguese Portugal title is the chicken lizard from Mars. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, having seen the creature, I don't see it, but all right. France, we got a whole, I guess they didn't translate the name. Maybe, maybe Galala was too close to a French name. And sometimes they do change the monster's name in translation because of that. The, the French title is Otoka, the monster of the galaxies. I T O K A. And yeah, I don't know. It, it looks like an Otoka or a Galala. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those are some of the best. A lot of the others are variations of our monster from outer space. I, I honestly like, I mean, keeping the same kind of style, I actually like the check one where it's just X, a monster from space, because at least that one kind of gives you a little bit more of what you're expecting. Yeah, Not well, it's a monster. X from outer space. I mean, like, yeah, what, well, what, what is an X other than a letter? <laughs> well, it, it's as bad of a title as the American version of Mothra versus Godzilla, which is Godzilla oh, the versus thing. the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Just show no, no, Now, if it was actually Godzilla versus John Carpenter's the thing, then 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 you'd have <laughs> yourself a little 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 film. Oh, my. So let's let's talk a little bit about the eponymous X. Galila. Like, yeah. Which. Did they even say why they call it that in or do they the just start naming it in the film. I think it does get a name. I'm not sure exactly why they call it that, but towards the end, the, the FAFC finds that a material called galalinium is kind of its kryptonite, its weakness, but yeah, I'm not sure why they, they call it that originally. In the movie, because they do name it that as soon as it starts attacking Tokyo. So uh, before we get into the film itself, because I don't I just don't have a ton that I really enjoyed about this picture, Mm -hmm. to be perfectly honest. I like the concept of the creature. (laughs) I think he's weird looking. I think he's a little goofy and I see a little goofy. (laughs) Yeah, I see why people can have fun with this film because when he is when when Galala's on screen it's charming in I don't know what I want to even say in an ironic way because it's not good like the model work isn't great the creature is just kind of ironically Frankensteining around <laughs> well but the, the the design is so weird let, let's talk about the design first because that is definitely What's going to grab you if you look at this poster? Yeah, to see the movies in 1967, it is undoubtedly an alien creature of some yeah. sort. And I think in my notes I've written here, it is a a great example of everything but the kitchen sink. But then they decide, you know, at the last minute, hey, let's add the kitchen sink as well. Going through from top to bottom, at the very top, you got two dongly antennas, which are on like wires on the suit. So as the mm-hmm. suit actors is, is moving around, they are bopping left and right. They're crossing one another. <laughs> they get a lot of movement in. Uh, what, what's next? <laughs> Going from the top. You, you got to go with that flying saucer head. <laughs> well, it's that, but he's also got, some people have described it as a horn off the top of his head, but it's actually, yeah. it, it looks like it's supposed to be an eye stock, but they didn't put an eye Oh, it reminds nice. me of the. Do you ever watch the '80s cartoon, The Snorks? Yes, it, it looks like a snork, snorkel, 
but yeah, it also, if you're looking at its head, like a flying saucer, it looks like the, the laser weapons from the 1950s were the world's alien spaceships have kind of like a laser thing that comes out the, I think the top, maybe I'm thinking of it. Maybe now that I think of it's the bottom, but it's a weird dongle. I think dongle is the word I want to use to describe it. I'd say it's like a crazy straw. It is. Yeah. I think the snorkel is a good way to, then he's got like giant wing cheeks or (laughs) bits on the back, which curl up when he fires a a fireball bug, like kind of eyes and a chicken beak. But like, we can't even stop there because he also has, and it's not even used very well, like a, a neck sack that (laughs) it, it, it kind of bulges every once in a while. It's like, it's such a small thing. They don't I even... mean, the creature, the creature design is wild. And again, I get, I get like, if you're watching this movie and you're seeing this thing run, run rampant, I get why, because this movie, this movie has a reputation, not because it's good. It's one of those like, Oh, it's so bad. It's good. It's 50 or 60 cheese. And blah, blah, blah. Like, no, no one watched this movie because they think it's got merit, I guess. And, <laughs> uh, and I, I, if you're only watching the scenes with the monster, yeah, I can kind of see it. But unfortunately, there's like 60 minutes of insufferable human nonsense without a single character present, including Dr. Stein <laughs> well, from Germany. <laughs> yes, that's why the, the Germans love this one. Galala shows up at like the 49 minute mark, which I will say that the first half of the movie doesn't go by super fast. No, There's a lot that happens during this it. movie's less than 90 minutes. I was I was saying this and and I know you're going to you know laugh at me because I'm going to backhand compliment a movie that you like, <laughs> but I felt like I was watching Zack Snyder's Justice League and oh. this movie is 90 minutes long and it felt like four hours. <laughs> the, the the beginning of it definitely felt fairly long. <laughs> like um, now I didn't even watch the I didn't really break it break this this one up in viewing. I was like, watch this, and I was like, I mean, nine times out of ten, I'm really engaged. And here I'm like, I'm playing something on my phone. Like, I I just this was not one that kept my interest. I thought that the characters were really non-existent, even though they insist on adding like these melodramatic like this love triangle between Lisa and Dr. Sato mm-hmm. and Pachiko. And that, <laughs> I, that, I love and her sideline glances at Lisa. Like, mm-hmm. well, and then what's weird is like, they start off. Oh God, here we go. Okay. So Let's first get of into all, the they, plot. they yeah. make an emergency landing on this, this moon colony, right? It's an emergency. They're not supposed to hit there. Right, because the the doctor has fallen ill. Right after, but a somehow Lisa has a present for this girl. <laughs> didn't even didn't even realize that. Yeah, well, maybe they, maybe they were going to come on the way back and drop I, and drop she, off at the she moon snuck base. them by, and like that was a whole to do about that. So I'm like, okay, like they're not they're going to avoid the 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 typical kind of cat fight like archetype. Awesome. Yeah, well, they they go and they take a shower together, which is completely yeah. gratuitous. Right, right. Which I guess at the time was like, ooh, la, la. But I was like, well, two of those, the, like, the male astronauts also take a bath together. So it's which also was like, ooh, la, la. It's the swinging like, 60s. That's what you do, which is fine. But like then they ha- yeah, they have this kind of like side eye moment where it's like, oh, I'd follow him everywhere. And she's kind of like doing the Stewie dagger eyes. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? What? First of all, this character is the most uninteresting one amongst the group to fight about. Like <laughs> the the square jawed. Yeah, He's fine. I, 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 I at least was kind of wishing it was the the the, the Seth Rogen of the group. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because at least at least I like that dude. I could uh, feel this entire movie. I, I enjoyed uh, him very much. Miyamoto. Yeah. So he's yeah. supposedly the comic relief. They don't give him a lot to do here, but he's no, kind of the, the butt of some of their jokes is, is fine. But yeah, I mean, this movie's all over the place. I think it's really poorly written from a character standpoint. And I understand that a lot of people have it, the it's so bad, it's good. And the the thing about it's so bad, it's good is that a lot of times, at least from, from my experience, that does not always work for everybody. Like they're, everyone's so bad, it's good threshold is different. And sometimes what's so bad, it's good for me is not so bad, it's good for you. Like, I might say that, like, I find watching Uwe Bowles Alone in the Dark as a So Bad It's Good movie <laughs> extremely entertaining because I saw it in the movie theaters after literally going from the mall bar to the movies and having a great time with my friend. And so I was like, this was an entertaining experience. But someone else who might have seen that movie might be like, this was absolute garbage. I can't see anything redeeming about it. And which, correct. But not everyone kind of looks at the same so bad's good the same way and and that's true with kaiju movies because this genre is rife with people always kind of deriding or kind of side eyeing movies saying oh it's so bad it's good i mean you hear that at most i think with most about this genre more than any other which i mean as we've gone this journey watching every single kaiju film i don't think that's particularly fair and i also don't think it's <sighs> honest movie watching mm-hmm, for a lot mm-hmm. of this genre. And so for this one, like for me, and I know we're going deep into talking about the, like how we feel about the movie at the top of the show before we kind of go into everything else. But I just, I didn't have a pleasant experience watching this film. And yeah, you, yeah. you know, you know me, I've, I've been given pass to a lot of these downright bad <laughs> movies because they, they've kept my attention and sure. they have been at least visually very interesting to look at. I think this is one of the most interesting visually films. But for another reason, I I will have a great deal of difficulty wanting to come back to this movie. Yeah. And, and, and this is this is one that's on HBO Max. I think it's part of maybe the Criterion. Part. It is. It is part of the Criterion collection, which is <laughs> wild to it, me. Yes, it part of its journey to to re-release is it was also on a set, the Eclipse Series 37 when Hurricane yeah, which is Shochito. framed to look like Criterion, which yeah. <laughs> drives me wild. Yeah, this is a it's about 10 years old DVD set. Uh, well, I think it's it's that is technically part of the Criterion collection, but I, I don't think it was like an independent release. It was like a package of other other films including another one from this director we, we've not mentioned yet yeah i haven't mentioned a single person i'm, I'm sorry I, uh, I'm, I'm a bad kaiju versus history host tonight it's it's someone that you won't ever see again at least not on this podcast but also kind of disappeared from filmmaking that kazu nihomatsu who i tried yeah, to he... to find some information about and found nothing because before this 
he mostly did second unit directing for dramas produced by Shochiko uh, Company, but only has one other film after this, which was part of that same horror Shochiku collection, which is a bug apocalypse film called Genocide, which is yeah, very which unfortunately a- named. Yeah, well, it is, but uh, apparently it's pretty well received. I, I watched some clips of it not on the Criterion Collection, and I was interested, but it is, I think, closer to kind of disaster movie. Ah, uh, I was trying to find like something about him. He, he that was his last film credit I, I can find on yeah, Japanese. Yeah, the only two he's ever directed with these these two. Uh, yeah, supposedly he had some others like drama I mean, films from Shichiku, he, but he also got to be assistant director for Akira Kurosawa, so he didn't have the worst yeah. experience in film but i was also i was like i said i was looking for like an obituary or something and couldn't find anything else about him so hopefully he's lived a very happy peaceful life he would be mm-hmm. 100 years old today if he's still alive which you know is is not impossible obviously yeah. I, I was just looking it up i think the the actor that played miyamoto just turned 98 shinichi uh, wow. yanagawas Yane Gisawa. Yep. So I, I'm I, I might actually check out Genocide because Japanese disaster films, especially from the area, the era, have been pretty decent that I've seen. <laughs> I, I've I know I can't remember if I've seen this on air, but I know I've told you like in person and in on other shows. The uh not the the adaptation of Jap- Japan Sinks, or I think at the time mm-hmm. it was called the Submersion of Japan from 1972, one of the best disaster movies I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. absolutely phenomenal. Well, we, we've uh, seen so many great Takosatsu destruction sequences, and it's just something that's missing from Western cinema at the time is that they, they really did not have the same kind of interest in depicting that wide scale destruction, you know, like showing an earthquake on screen. I think Japan really cornered the market, and it, it's that reason I think those movies did well uh, when brought over here to the stateside it's and and why kaiju films especially kind of tickled audiences all around the world including west germany <laughs> right and this movie's no no different it is a weird film it is an odd film from a novice director and starring a lot of fairly unknown actors i think this is pegging one of peggy neal's first films and one of her few who plays Lisa our our blonde biologist astronaut in the movie she will come back in on this podcast because they brought her in to do the the great Buddha arrival from 2018 as Dr. Mary Lisa Gleason and I, I don't know if she's been living in Japan that entire time but she was yeah, she, well, uh, so she moved to Japan to attend the very young, university. Yeah. So she and was so, probably a college student around this yeah, time. Yeah, so I think she just kind of fell into to, to acting. And I, I mean, from 67 until 2019, she didn't do anything until she reappeared in the Great Buddha Arrival. Yeah, and then that that's one of those kaiju fan-like films that... They, they often looked to the actors of the 60s and 70s to get them parts. And that's kind of a way of, you know, getting money to those those actors who probably have not been in films in, in, in quite some time. Yeah, I mean, her her last credit before that 
I mean, technically was 1978, but, mm-hmm. and she had an, uh, an uncredited, I mean, basically she had a, a couple movies in 67 that were her, her bigger ones. And then that was it. And then she kind of mm-hmm. popped up a couple of times. And so, I mean, this movie does have like, it's, it's fans for sure. I mean, this movie has an unofficial sequel. I, it's, I, I, I want to get to, I want to watch one of the American dubs that, that come from this movie. I would love, love to hear her if she, if any of her original English made it through, uh, we watched the Criterion, which has a, a Japanese dubbing over by voice actor Raiko Muto. She was great. the The actress that that played uh, Machiko as well was great. They mm-hmm. both have these yeah. swinging sixties bobs, and this is a full year before we get Barbarella. So this is a. a a blonde astronaut in sci-fi a full year before for that. The cast here looks pretty awesome. I think I will agree with you that that Sano is like the odd man out. And if this was a Shira Honda movie, we would probably get like a more kind of lovable face in that role. <laughs> but besides that, I just, I love the, the casting. Dr. Berman is, is a cut right out of the comics as a professorial type with his beard. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he walks around with a pipe in this movie. I forget. Maybe I'm just superimposing that on his character, but he looks like Johnny quest's dad <laughs> played by Franz <laughs> Gruber. Right. And I don't think we have to recap too much. Once the monster gets to earth, we have a, a long sequence of destruction and a lot of, a lot of fight scenes or, you know, monster attack scenes and destruction of, of downtown Tokyo. I think one of my favorite shots is when Galala picks up like a freighter, like an oil tanker and throws mm-hmm. it into the, the Tokyo har- Harbor. And, and I'm not sure if these are like actually famous smokestacks, but I feel like that is a fairly well-defined area of the, the coast that is is shown there. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that a great deal. What did you think of the effects in the movie, Miles? Some of the sci-fi element effects were okay. Mm-hmm. But I thought by and large, I thought a lot of the model work was not great. I thought the quality of the suit was fine. I thought the script was pretty bad. I thought the, as a result, made some of the actors look bad. I I just didn't have a great time. I, I, I liked... <laughs> I like some of the, I mean, like the actual, like Galala going on a rampage was obviously intrinsically fun. Like it's fun to watch a monster cut loose. It just is. That said, some of the, I mean, I guess some of the scenes, like obviously, you know, the quality of miniatures, you're not going to have a massive difference, but the way that some things are filmed and shot are very, very different. And so the airplanes like kind of crashing in or, or attacking Galala look awful as opposed to either using stock footage or just doing some really great miniatures. They, they yeah, crash that, that, a lot of jets into Galala's face. I feel like it yeah. happens two or three times or and maybe a couple like, times he swats it out of the sky. Having seen some of Toho's films and even Dae, like, yes, not all of them look great, but at least there seems to be an effort and in, in, in some ways, I almost felt this movie was made maybe cynically or maybe it was made with a comedic intent and it's just lost in translation for me because, yeah, you had that swing in sec- that's, that's the, yeah, that swing in 60s like soundtrack, which threw me off from the very beginning because you like open up with this like title card number and 
you know, after we've been watching movies that actually have, you know, opens or, or cold opens or at least shots where it's moving around and getting like straight illustrated title cards again made me feel like we were back at the beginning of the decade or a little bit before. And the the music made it feel tonally odd. Like I didn't know how mm-hmm. I was supposed to feel at all. So, yeah, that gets in and this is going to factor heavily into my enjoyment of the movie which i'll talk about is the soundtrack really hurt the experience for me mm-hmm. and we've had swinging soundtracks we just had ebera horror of the deep with with a, a brand new godzilla soundtrack and a new mm-hmm. sound for the 60s which i enjoyed but this one part of the problem is it is scored i, I think with the same amount of care that we would get from an episode of ultra q or Ultraman. Very yeah, but seeing Ultra Q or Ultraman, the people composing that would care. Well, I, I think <laughs> I think we get some good tracks from our, our composer, our music arranger, uh, Taku Iz- Izumi, who I think understood the 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 to- tone of the time period, but not maybe of this movie and, and what they were going for, because it doesn't really have a, a sci fi soundtrack. You know, the the music is old. It could have been for any kind of adventure movie of this time. Right. Part of part of the problem for me is it is way too repetitive. They use kind of the same track for all of Galala's attack scenes, which it feels like it's less than a, a minute loop of, of a song that gets super repetitive very quickly for me. And it's one of the reasons I might not be able to rewatch this very often is, is because of that. It's not bad music. It is just repetitive for me. Yeah. Um, And you can have repetitive music that works. I mean, heck, I just watched a three hour Batman movie a couple months ago (laughs) that continually uses the same score note that pops up over and over again, but it's done to effect. It's, and that's it's good music too. Well, <laughs> but, there's that too. Uh, when we but, got done with that, my my wife turned to me and was like, "Dun dun 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 dun." <laughs> but yeah, that, they they might have overused it there. But this movie, it's just not as but. not as interesting <laughs> as the the soundtrack or as yeah, I, I, I agree in that film. I do want to talk about Taku Izumi a little bit. We will get another track by them on the soundtrack for Big Man Japan, 2007 Big Man Japan, which I think is him singing, is a, a track called Farai, who's also and supposedly a member of the Japanese parliament. I couldn't find like hardly any information about him, but that's awesome. <laughs> would, would do a lot of animated shows in Japan, including one of its longest running animated television shows. Special effects, we have Izo Kamai, who worked on... The original 1954 Godzilla suit putting together the effects for this movie worked on almost every single Toho monster movie from Kaiju to Dai Kaiju and some episodes of, of Ultra Q. So the effects that I mean, they have people <laughs> they have people that know what they do. I think a lot of those effects shots lacked kind of the vision of a AJ Subaraya to kind of narrow in. But there's some parts of the monsters attacks i really enjoyed and i think are extremely evocative of the 60s of showa era kaiju films is is there do do you have a favorite scene miles do you have something you enjoy (laughs) from from the movie 
I mean, I, I, I'm I'm talking, and maybe it's because I've been spoiled by so much pretty high quality kaiju stuff since we've entered the '60s and gotten away from the Americans. <laughs> but I mean, I, I I did enjoy watching the monster go on its rampage, and I mean, I think it's a cool monster. I think that some of the scenes, you know, were were obviously very fun, but. It took so long to get there that like it was it was a very fleeting thing for me. So like, yeah, yeah. I liked watching the monster go on the rampage, but I, I what, thought what about, everything else just didn't work for me. What about half hour into the movie when an asteroid pierces the ship and it's plugged up by uh, the comic relief's butt? Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> was great. Yeah, it was wonderful. <laughs> um, I, I, honestly, I thought some of the at the very beginning, some of the scientific stuff was was, you know, possibly going to be interesting where they were talking about wanting to go to Mars and, you know, hey, we've not had a successful mission because something keeps happening and we keep losing yeah. control. Like, like, like narratively, that's an interesting concept. There's a mystery. Like something is keeping us from getting there. We need to figure out what it is. But but then they have like a little holiday on the moon and a lot well, of the tension you is have, cut. You have like the disco ball like spaceship that is following them at one point. I wouldn't call it a disco ball. It's more like yeah, a, it's not a disco ball. But what are those? Just, what are those uh, crust uncrustables? It looks like a space <laughs> hot pocket or uncrustable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it was it was it was absolutely the peanut butter and honey. It's terrible. It, yeah, I, it's I mean, a real and bad that's the one. thing. It's like there, and again, just because you have bad effects or can afford good effects does not make your movie bad, and it certainly doesn't make your narrative weak. Because I have I love plenty of movies that have both of that. And but still have heart and a good a good idea and work. I mean, this island Earth, which I mentioned previously, is that movie's got heart, even though it's got some pretty gnarly effects that are not great and it's fairly cheesy. Stuart Gordon's Dagon, even in 2001, as a horror film, it had no money. They filmed in Italy and they didn't even name the movie correctly because it's an adaptation of Shadows Over Innsmouth, not Dagon. Right, right, but right. it's a very good movie. So that that the effects being bad is not what makes this a bad movie. It's it's a marriage of things, and I think for me, the fact that the script is so weak and it doesn't seem to care about any of its characters except for this really uninteresting love triangle. Like everything just kind of falls apart for me. Yes, you have a cool monster, but like even to get to those scenes, which by at this point in 1967 are fine i guess like mm-hmm. like you said the oil tanker shot was pretty cool there, there's some cool destruction but even then the models aren't that great and so like i want to root for a company that doesn't that that's that's not Dai, it's not toei it's not toho and is doing something different i want to root for that and then when i'm starting this movie and i've got this mystery in space i am all for it and then it just seems to like not care mm-hmm. like the script just doesn't care about the characters it cares more about the vibe like and then there's some weird there's some weird choices like okay you have the shower scene we already talked about how weird that was but then they <laughs> come out in formal attire just to sit down at the table that they were just at yeah you got to you got to wash the 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 space funk off you i guess or all that cigarette no, 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 smoke no. it's 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 not it's not it's not they had to shower that part i got but they 
they're like dressed to the nines as if they were going out to a fancy restaurant mm-hmm. and they're just sitting in the same room that they just came from. <laughs> well, it, it had a pretty big budget, but not as big to make a whole new set for, for each of those scenes, I guess. I, I mean, like a we're, we're still simple, in about a uh, You could use the canteen for the, from like, I don't know, the commissary that the people are using for for anything. But like, it's like, oh, we're just gonna come out of this, this same room. Yeah, they, and they, pretend we're going out. The only thing I could find online listed this as 150 million yen, which is about like half of what the Godzilla movies were doing, but still like double what Gamera has got. <laughs> so right. a lot more than even Gamera versus Baragon. And I think most of that money went to those sets and the spacecraft and everything else in the first 40 minutes of the movie. And then, you know, the all the destruction scenes we, we would get later later on a bit of a legacy for this film surprisingly yeah even though this does not start the the kaiju universe in the same way that that camera would we get a a kind of comedic sequel from uh, minoru kawasaki in 2008 called monster x strikes back attack the g8 summit <laughs> which I've seen I've I've actually watched that before I watched this one and I love it. It is great. And I'm excited to see that because I I think the monsters concept is is pretty neat. I think that like it could obviously be used in an interesting fashion. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the monsters my big takeaway from this movie because I I do appreciate the the everything but the kitchen sink. I and sometimes including the kitchen sink. So, I appreciate that method to creating a monster. And I mean, maybe, like I said, maybe something's missed in translation for me. Maybe, maybe this is supposed to be this kind of like swing sixties, like kind of funny movie. And I just had a bad translation because man, some of that Japanese dubbing for the, the English speaking actors was rough. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. It just, it just, it didn't work for me. And I hate that it didn't work for me because I'm, I know I'm coming off as a real negative Nelly in this episode <laughs> and I haven't put that hat on. What? Since we left the fifties, well, we'll get to the rating in a, in a second, Miles, and see see how you really feel. But w- would do you think you have looked kinder upon this character if they had produced a nineteen nineties sequel of sorts with Gappa, Gappa versus Galila? No, <laughs> supposedly I saw that, that was. I mean, I would I would certainly watch it. Yeah, <sighs> Gappa is a uh, spoiler warning. Next week's episode. <laughs> Right. I mean, this is the, the kind of thing where, like, we were also at one point supposed to get, like, Conga versus Reptilicus. Yeah. Boy, or no, howdy. Yorgo. Yorgo. Yorga? Gorgo. Gorgo. Goro. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those those would make sense if they wanted to mash up two different studios that, you know, weren't as popular into to one series. I, w- I would have loved a, a Gamera versus Galila. I feel like that would have been a series that have worked well but we get we get american tv commercials and in different japanese productions throughout the years that used the suit for galila as just kind of a stand-in for a comedic kaiju character because it is ridiculous to to look at yeah and and i i guess that's what kept it in the the zeitgeist enough to make that the, the 2008 comedic sequel. But as far as this movie goes, I I can understand your 
difficulty watching it. I, I like I said, <laughs> I I had difficulty watching it myself. Let's talk about your rating for your enjoyment of this movie. All right. So, how low you gonna go, Miles? I mean, it's certainly not as bad as a lot of the stuff that I had to watch from the 50s. I mean, there mm-hmm. there is elements to enjoy. It stays in a certain lane, keeps itself afloat. But that said, like I was just honestly, more than anything, supremely bored a lot of the mm-hmm. time. And for that reason, I'm giving it a five. Pretty darn low. Yeah, I mean, it's the lowest I've gone in a while, but I... I just did. I mean, again, this is for personal enjoyment, and I personally did not enjoy this movie at all. I I enjoyed it on a so bad it's good quality. I will say, if you're looking for a over the top kind of '60s feeling sci-fi movie, very bubblegum, bright, colorful, this is definitely one of the cheesiest films we've seen, and there's a lot to enjoy like i said you could probably put it on the background and and enjoy how funky it is but that soundtrack really hurt it for me very predictable i think we talked about we'll talk about with its script as well but yeah it's in the the so bad is good territory but i already have the gamma movies that are filling that hole for me so i don't need another showa era film and and that's another thing that that we've talked about before that if you are going to introduce a new monster. I don't care if you're a new company, mm-hmm. not a new company, but a new company entering the kaiju foray at this point in time, like introduce your monster fighting another monster or fighting another creature because like this kind of origin story was not enough to carry this monster. Yeah. And, and, and the stuff they did certainly wasn't interesting enough to justify everything else. If that monster was fighting something else around its size, I could see myself being like, well, I mean, if they're going to give me a wrestling match, maybe. But yeah, I, I mean, at this point in time, you can't you can't not have your monster fight something else. <laughs> well, what I mean, you you can, and, and that a ton of other films <laughs> try to. No, no, I understand that, but like Godzilla you, formula, you, you but... can't, and and have me enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I will say I probably enjoyed this just a little bit less than our, our Gamera versus gauss last week so i gave this a seven out of ten for enjoyment but like i said it's because of some of those technical problems that kept it down because i can enjoy a a boring or a bad movie if it's still visually appealing but yeah it was hard for me to technically score this film because i was all over the place there are parts of the special effects i enjoyed some like some of the Mm -hmm. blue screen that were some of the worst we've seen yep so many of the explosions, the fireballs, the miniature destruction looked good. And so much of it looked terrible. It looked like a toy being exploded, which I mean, it is, but they really, I felt like went for quantity over quality in some of their effects, which is a shame. And that music was just, it dragged on and on. Oh, the, the music <laughs> yes, it re- did. really hurt it for me. I, th- that being said, there are some shots of this movie that were really interesting directorially some low angles for Galala, like when it was attacking the, the, the wires and the, the, the power lines and things like that. They remind me of shots from the, the Heisei camera, similar kind of low angle shots that very much help with 
the believability of that this is a kaiju. But then we get a full pulled back shot of at the end of the movie when Galila is chasing after the Galilinium and the the Jeep, <laughs> and it's it's a, a you know a toy Jeep with a full-size man in a rubber suit just kind of marching along the set and the the effect is completely lost so it was all over the place so i'm giving a fairly low score a six out of ten for its technical aspects yeah i i gave it the same for very similar reasons i i mean there there are some stuff in some of the sets that were pretty good looking mm-hmm. i mean obviously i i enjoyed the the, the monster's design I, I like how different it is, but I don't like it. It it looks yeah to me, to me it just looks kind of like a bad Ultraman villain, you know. I mean, it does look like a bad Ultraman villain, but like even that, like I, I'd be fine if it was a bad Ultraman villain. Like if if Ultraman had popped up and fought this thing. <laughs> oh boy, howdy! Then you've got a movie. <laughs> yeah, but I, I I mean, like I said, I I I have felt from the very beginning the script was extremely weak, extremely superficial, and just did not work for me. And it made a lot of the actors look bad. Like you even said, the comedic relief wasn't getting to do a lot of comedic stuff, mm. even though he, the actor is performing his lines as if he's doing stuff, but he's not really doing anything. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm giving it a six out of 10 as, as well. It's, oh, it's clearly not the worst thing we've seen. Like, like this is what I would consider bottom of the barrel on a good day, not the stuff we were watching from the fifties. That's just, don't don't even bother part part of my enjoyment is you know this is at the very least a very colorful film yeah i mean it's all the destruction it's it's not the the crap that we had to watch before (laughs) (laughs) oh what about its evocative nature i do feel like this is pretty pretty good in capitalization of sci-fi kaiju films this does feel like your invasion of Astro Monster, but on a much tighter budget, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean there there is a I mean there is certainly an attempted like swinging sixties vibe here. There is an attempt to kind of oh this is the zeitgeist, especially in the West. We gotta we gotta get this, but it doesn't really execute it to a way that makes me interested, and it doesn't do it extremely well. Like I I like the idea that you have this you know. East meets West style. And you also have this East meets West cast, which we've seen before and we've seen done better. Not only that, but like, yes, this film does have a spiritual sequel and it seems to have a very cult appreciation, but that's not enough for me to like give it an extremely high score. So I'm sticking with a six out of 10 for of nature. I, I feel like this is, like I said, a big budget episode of Ultraman. And while it mixes a lot of it, it does what we've seen a lot of the Toho movies, especially do mix a, a, a Western crew, a cast and crew with with Japanese actors and and presents this this sci fi kind of future. It doesn't stand out as a, as a straightforward Godzilla copy because of that, maybe we're going to see a lot of Godzilla kind of clones single giant monsters destroying Tokyo. And yeah, the sci-fi elements are enough to really set this apart. I I do enjoy that this movie gets a sequel almost 40 years, 41 years later, but 
that, that doesn't bring this up up enough. Uh, I, I gave this. <laughs> hey, a- and if that movie's fun, I will eat my war. I mean, I I really think that they could use this monster well somewhere. So I'm excited to see the kaiju comedy that that <laughs> comes out 41 years later. Yeah, yeah, and <clears throat> for that, uh, I gave this a, a six out of ten as well. I think if you're looking for just a so bad it's good kaiju film you can you can do better <laughs> in the in the 60s especially there's a lot of it, it <laughs> is, it is certainly a movie like if you are a kaiju diehard you're gonna see this movie i mean one it's available on hbo max on their criterion collection so like yeah give it a shot see what you think i mean one what do i know this is we're talking about personal taste here and people seem to enjoy it but also like I, and i said i would say this about any of the movies we watch even the ones that i've truly hated I mean, part of the reason we're doing this show is to catalog for ourselves every single kaiju movie ever made. And so if you were interested in kaiju movies, I think you would be doing yourself a disservice not to watch it. If if you're going through the 60s, there's definitely other movies to to skip. But uh, yeah, 100 percent. I mean, I would I would certainly watch this over Reptilicus. <laughs> That's not saying a lot, but yeah, I mean, you know, but it's like, definitely better than Reptilicus. But I think our score will kind of show that because our our podcast score will average out to a six out of ten. And I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. I was hoping this would be a little more fun than it. I was excited to see this being. movie. <laughs> well, we'll see if 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 any of the other Godzilla kind of knockoffs will will take its place. We've we've still got a couple more, including next week's episode. But yeah, let we'll we'll get to that then. But before then, follow us on Twitter at Kaiju versus History. Check out our website, kaiju versus history.com. And you can find our scores and past reviews on our letterboxd as well. I'm very excited to have gotten that up and running. That uses a five-star rating. So this one is a Three out of five stars on on Letterbox, which makes sense to me. Sounds right. Yeah. Actually, you know what's so funny? It sounds right. This is a movie that I would have given a two, two and a half on Letterbox. <laughs> well, um, they use half stars as well. Yeah, so it's 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 weird. But so thank you, thank you, Patrick, and obviously thank mm-hmm. you everyone listening at home. And we are going to catch you next time when yet another studio is cashing in on the government film credits and creating their own Daikaiju picture. This time, it's from media conglomerate Nakatsu Corporation. That's right. Tune in next week for History versus Gappa, the Trifibian Monster. Monster.